The Athletic. Football League Show Business End Edition. Plenty of promotion perms to sift through in the Championship after a marvellous midweek for Blackburn and Forest. We tip our cap to Exeter, who secured a return to the third tier, and we'll look ahead to what might just be the most thrilling end to a League One season in ever. The head chairboy will join us to preview that. A bumper edition, then. This is the Totally Football League Show in association with Paddy Power. Nearly there then, gang. What a weekend lies in store for us too. I'm Matt Davis-Adams, joined today by Sam Parkin. Morning, Matt. Morning, Sam. And Aaron McLean's back with us too. Hi, Aaron. Morning, Matt. How are you? Really good. Really excited for the weekend's action. Uh, Before we get to that, though, we'll look at some midweek games. Also, there's a story that's broken this morning. This is from West London Sport, who claim that Mark Warburton will be leaving Queen's Park Rangers at the end of the season when his contract expires. Not confirmed, literally just broken as we're recording. Sam, if it does happen, will you be lamenting this as a Rangers fan? Do you think it's the right decision? I'm disappointed, Matt. I think there's been more of a plan at QPR over his tenure. Um, it has gone a bit stale this season, but I thought in the injury to Willock in particular, that probably did for their playoff challenge like to see them get a more, I don't know, probably a younger, more vibrant front player to to carry the burden of getting the goals. Not that the Chaps weren't good pedigree this season, but they haven't really produced. So, yeah, almost a really good season, but obviously tailed off latterly and and the club have decided to act, which, which is a shame because I thought, you know, I speak about it a lot, looking across at Brentford and seeing how well they've done. I thought QPR, being another West London club, were, were finally on the right track. So, really sad that it hasn't happened for Warburton this year. Two games to go for QPR. Sheffield United at home and then they finish at Swansea. In terms of the midweek action, let's have a quick word on Middlesbrough 2, Cardiff seeing as that was the most recent. Middlesbrough getting the win they needed to keep in touch with the playoff pack. A goal in each half from Tavernier and McGree saw them pass Cardiff at the Riverside. Um, Aaron, they they really needed this, obviously, because of the points, but also because they managed to score. I mean, they didn't do that in any of their previous four home games. So a boost for them going into the last two matches, which is Stoke at home and Preston away. So actually quite decent fixtures for Middlesbrough. Yeah, I think they'll fancy themselves. I think it's when you get to this stage of the season, going into the playoffs is all about form. It's all about making sure that, that you're in a good run of form so you can continue that momentum. Um and they'd all, they're tailed off a little bit. Their home form hadn't been great. So to be able to go and get that win will give them massive confidence. I, I saw some some comments from Sol Bamba. Obviously, he's um, playing against his old club and, and the, the the confidence that the squad would have got from that, from that win. Um, I think it's massive for them. I think that they're now in a position where they can really go and, go and push on. And, and hopefully try and get back into into the Premier League because the size of the club, the history of the club, you know, they'd, they'd want to get back there. But as you know, once you get to the playoffs, it's, it's a lottery. And, and whether they can do it or not, I think there's there's probably stronger teams in and around it. 
So they're seventh, 67 points, two points behind Sheffield United, who are in sixth. They haven't played midweek, uh, but Blackburn have. They and Millwall, both on 66, are still very much in it. Sam, some people, by which I mean us, had kind of dismissed Blackburn as promotion contenders to the point of actually forgetting they were still in the mix. And then they uh, <laughs> they really showed us, didn't they, on Monday night by thumping Preston 4-1 at Deepdale. And, and actually, like Borough, another team who've been short of goals of late, and they managed to run in four here. So so how are you feeling about them in terms of their playoff chances? Probably too little, too late, if I'm being honest. Not that that wasn't a magnificent victory. I think, you know, no shame from my part, really. That was their first win in six. I think they, they're 20th in the, the form table over the last 12 games. So that's the reason why everyone's discounted them. But yeah, absolutely put themselves back in with a with a chance with that resounding win. Um, I think that's only the second time this year that they've scored um, three goals. They beat Derby relatively recently, 3-1 at, at home. But nobody would have foreseen this result coming, although you know, Ryan Lowe's side, they, their hard work for the season's been done in terms of accumulating points. It's a Derby. Um, I think Blackburn just converted their chances here. They, they've probably... Uh, been spurning a few opportunities in the last few games. They've been so reliant on Brereton Diaz. Um, some other guys came to the party and and some outstanding goals as well. Um, Travis is is finished for the fourth was wonderful. Buckley, uh, very mature performance in midfield and and chipped him with a good goal as well. So yeah, certainly can't discount them, but um, they'd be still very much outsiders for me. Yeah, and Preston, only three wins from their last 12. That new manager bounce has long since gone flat. Uh, now then, Aaron, do you, do you think that Bournemouth got a good point or a bad point at Swansea? They, they were 3-0 down, less than 20 minutes left. So normally you'd say that's an outstanding point. But given that Forrest won, uh, what are you doing? Are you praising the grit of their recovery or, or lamenting the fact that they were 3-0 down in the first place? Well, you, you have to look and say, first of all, they'll be disappointed to be, to be three goals down. To, to Swansea, you know, especially with the time of the season, these are the times where you have to you have to go and be stamping your authority on games and, and winning them. You know, the position that they're in, they have, they still have the opportunity to go and win the league, and going and conceding three goals to Swansea isn't isn't the, the signs of a, a team that's going to try and win the league. But getting something out of the game, again, it just promotion is the main the main objective. Getting promotion is the main objective, and it's, it will be a valuable point if they go if they manage to go and uh, seal promotion this weekend. I think it's it's disappointing that they're probably not going to get anywhere near near winning the league now. Um, I think Fulham only need a point, so yeah, disappointing. But the main objective is promotion, and as long as you secure that, I think it's it doesn't really matter. Well, will they secure it, though? That's the question. Three points between they and Forrest. Dead level on goal difference. Sam, you and I were at Craven Cottage on uh, Tuesday night, along with producer Abby. Uh, you were there professionally. We were there just for fun. I had plenty of it, despite watching Forrest only have 25% of the ball. But it wasn't a Liverpool v Everton type deal, was it? Maybe that's just me being biased. But I thought Forrest were quite measured in their approach and actually carried a threat whenever they came forward. Yeah, I was really surprised when I saw that statistic. And I think, yeah, some people that weren't at the game were probably a bit disparaging about uh, Forest tactics, the, the amount they had the ball, the, the stoppages in the second half. I didn't get that sense, really, from, from being at the, the ground. I thought that was a really good away performance. I was incredibly impressed. 
Um, I think Forrest's main strength, one of their main strengths is that energy in the middle of the pitch with Yates and Garner. And they just ratted Fulham. They were so energetic. Um, really impressed with their endeavour. The ability to keep that up for the 90 minutes as well was something I questioned when you look at, I suppose, a bit of a lack of options for Steve Cooper now in terms of his bench. Um, and they were a bit patched up towards the end when Brennan Johnson kind of led the line alone and they'd lost a couple of players for injury. So I feared for them, but um, whenever they were called on to defend, the three centre-halves I thought were were incredible. McKenna was probably my pick. I think they all revelled in that challenge going up against Mitrovic, all physical boys. Uh, we've spoken to Steve Cook before, great character. He was extremely good. And the tactic was to win the ball through those midfield players that I mentioned and then just turn Fulham round. One or two touches, that was all it took. There was no square passes. They didn't keep the ball at all. They just went forward with pace, with directness. And Tim Ream and Tosin couldn't really deal with it throughout the piece. So I thought it was incredibly um, good of Steve Cooper to, to go with those tactics. And um, yeah, Fulham for all their play, for all their half chances in the second half. They certainly were at it, Fulham as well. And that's what made it such a great encounter. They wanted the trophy on Tuesday. It's probably the best game I've commentated on this season. And for a 1-0, that sounds bizarre, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. And the two best teams in the division right now. And that's why Bournemouth should be wary. Um, not, uh, you know, maybe because they've um, not been in the best of form, but, you know, Forrest, I think there's, there's very few weaknesses about their game right now. So Forest hosting Swansea on Saturday. We're going to take a look at Bournemouth's trip to Blackburn later on. But but should they both win, Aaron, both those games, that match between Bournemouth and Forest at the Vitality on Tuesday is going to be absolutely ginormous. If I have to push you now, who's going to finish second, Forest or Bournemouth? Having watched both of the teams, I'd go with Forest. I just look at Forest. I think that they're so dynamic and directing in what they do they've got some real good players and Bournemouth have just they've, they just seem very inconsistent for me you know I, I see them in some games and they blow teams away and Dominic Solanke's getting on the score sheet and they, they've got a lot of creativity in their team they've got goal scorers in their team but then they have days like the two games against Peterborough you know I looked and I thought they're not a team that's challenging for, to to go and get promotion so I think that inconsistency compiled with the fact that Forrest just looked like a really well-oiled machine. They just look relentless. They've got pace in the wide areas. They've got goal scorers. And they seem to have a real, real togetherness. Um, I think the momentum's with them. I think that they're, they're almost looking now, especially with the start that they had, they're thinking, do you know what? Instead of just going for playoffs, let's go and, let's go and get automatic promotion. They could, they've almost got a bit between their teeth and... They're, they're giving everything for it. I think if if I had to go one or the other, I would I would definitely go Forest if it gets that far. Let's hope so. Sky, I'm sure we're pretty annoyed when that Bournemouth v Forest game got called off because of high winds a couple of months ago. They'll be absolutely delighted that it's been rearranged for the stage of the season that it's in now because the viewing figures will be through the roof for that one, I'm sure. Uh, right, after this break, we'll have a look back at what happened in Leagues 1 and 2 this midweek. Place your bets. Welcome to Pep Roulette. Charlotte, feeling confident today, me. And your selection? To start up front, blue number 9 and 26, uh, 17 as well, just behind the front two, like. Excellent, good luck. 
Blue number seven, unlucky sir. Oh, still, and he started last week. Predicting Pep's lineups is hard, but fortunately, we've made our bet builder easy. Simply choose a top pre built bet builder, click add to bet slip, select your stake, and done. Paddy power. Online exclusive. T's and C's apply. 18 plus. Be You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. So in League One, Wigan once again failed to take the chance to confirm promotion. They only needed a point from Fratton Park, but despite taking a 2-0 lead against Pompey, they ended up losing 3-2. Sam, that is an awful long way to go to lose late on. 792 Latic supporters made the 500-mile round trip. There was a bit of a meltdown amongst the Wigan community on Twitter after that. Was this defeat down to their nervousness or was it Pompey recovering well and, and have you still got Wigan going up anyway? Oh, I've definitely got Wigan going up. Um, no question. But no, I'd, I'd give credit to Portsmouth here. I think they've had a really good month or so. Um, I think that's... 10 unbeaten at home, scored three in each of the last four. So they are, it would seem, really building something. Um, George Hurst, the, the hero the other night, he's got 11 goals this year, this this calendar year. So his form's really picked up. And when I saw him early part of the career, uh, the season, he looked, looked very raw, looked like he was still kind of learning the game, given that this is maybe his first run at a, a good level. He didn't feature much for Rotherham last season on loan and um, he seems to really have matured in the last few weeks so it's all coming together for them I would credit I would credit uh, Danny Cowley for this recent resurgence and um, yeah I've noticed one or two things about Wigan he's, he's altered the shape a little bit in the last couple of games he's put Jordan Cousins in the midfield uh, three as it is now rather than um, he, he had Will Keane playing as the 10 before maybe with two strikers so he looks like he's just reinforced the midfield maybe with Cousins who is a very good player I think he likes him uh, to be in the side so I'm not sure if that's had a big bearing on the the last couple of results but I think it's more just a nervousness just trying to get over the line I'm I'm sure they will do but um, you know similarly to to Rotherham and and MK Dons they found the the last bunch of games quite tough to get maximum points so no panic really when you when you consider the points total and you look at the goal difference etc going into the last game they should be fine yeah no wins in five but three points clear of third placed mk and their goal difference is six better uh, than the dons that had their final game at shrewsbury they need to match mk dons or rotherham's results on the final date to guarantee uh, promotion. Uh, meanwhile, a real sickener for Rotherham, and in particular, Michael Ahikwe at the Stadium of Light. Ahikwe have put the Millers in front against Sunderland, only to score an 88-minute own goal. A win would have all but guaranteed promotion. Um, it was a stunner of an own goal as well. But but actually, Aaron, I mean, if you if you look at it in isolation, a point away at Sunderland is a pretty good result, isn't it? Because they, they still haven't secured their playoff place and they've been in, in great form. So obviously they would have loved the win, but they might look back on this as a good point at the end of the season. Yeah, I think so. I think they'll look at look at that as a, as a very valuable point if they manage to get over the line. I think that, at the, you know, it, it looked like they were going to they were going to win the game. And, re- and really probably should have. Um, but at this stage of the season, it's, it's all about nerves. It's all about which team can hold their nerve, which team can bring their best game in each game. And they've not been able to do that. They've not been able to do that recently. They've, they've been very up and down, very inconsistent, like Wigan, like MK Dunn. Um, 
and now they're still in the, it's, it's still in their hands. They're still in the driving seat. And that's what they would have wanted if you'd have given them this position at the beginning of the season and said, right, it's in your hands. I'm sure they would have taken it. So I think a point at, at Sunderland is, is a good one. It's funny looking at a few of the um, the setups of the teams in the last couple of rounds of games, and I think managers alter their tactics as well. I completely agree with what Aaron says there, you know, about the nerves and uh, and what have you. But Alex Neil was very kind of um, yeah, protective, I suppose, um, a bit more negative than he normally is with with his lineup. So I think he's looking at the table there as well and thinking, do you know what? A point's a good result for us tonight. You know, at this stage of the season. If we're to uh, attacking at the stadium alight and we get picked off by a rover and we get beaten here, then you know it makes our, our task on the, the last day even tougher. I noticed with Darren Moore going to Wickham the other day, I think the way that he set up was, do you know what, we'll take the point today. So I think the tactics do vary. Um, we're going to come on and speak about, about Morecambe. Again, they were soundly beaten at MK Dons the other day, but I think they'd have taken a 2-0 probably before it, as mad as that sounds. But when you look at the goal difference and these wily old managers like Derek Adams, they're not going to think, oh, we're going to win, you know, the last three games of the season. They know, you know, there's a very good chance it's going to go down to the last knockings and could be decided by goal difference. So I thought that was interesting from this game because Alex Neal's obviously gone in there, done a really good job. They've been incredibly strong at home. But looking at leaving out Embleton, he put 09 into the midfield to make a midfield three. It just looked to me that he was, he would have been happy to nick the point and that's how it played out. Yeah, we'll go through all the perms in League One when we uh, preview Saturday's action later. It, it'll take a while. Uh, elsewhere, Fleetwood 2, Sheffield Wednesday 3. A Lee Gregory hat-trick here, including two goals in less than a minute, helping them to a thrilling win. Fleetwood outside the relegation zone on goal difference above Gillingham. It means that Doncaster Wimbledon still not quite relegated, but but all but. Sheffield Wednesday can't get automatic, still not guaranteed a playoff place. Uh, good hat-trick. Obviously, any hat-trick's a good hat-trick, Aaron. But but this, I love it when uh, a team scores straight from kickoff, having, having just scored before. What was the quickest hat-trick you ever got? Um, I think the quickest one was was a hat-trick against Brentford. I actually missed a penalty as well um, for the hat-trick and then went and went on and con- converted it in the first half. So, yeah, for, for Lee Gregory, brilliant. You know, good striker, experienced. He, he's, he's got good experience of, of, of higher division, you know. Um, so I think that having a player like that who at this stage of the season will be able to take his chances, won't, won't worry about the pressure, you know, won't feel the pressure is is invaluable to, to Sheffield Wednesday. And they're littered with with experienced players. You know, I look at Sheffield Wednesday's squad and I think really you should be you should probably be challenging to to win the division. You know, they had um they've had some sticky periods and they've managed to come through it. Darren Moore's managed to steady the ship and then and then get them going again. And Barry Bannon in midfield has been a, a driving force throughout the season. You know, he's he's been excellent. So I think that they're they're a team that in the playoffs, no one will want to play. They've got the experience, and from speaking to Darren Moore, from speaking to Barry Bannon, you know they're desperate to get to get promotion back into into the championship. So it's going to be interesting, interesting final final few days. We spoke about it at the time, Sam, but but just looking at their results now, and it was that period in October, wasn't it, where they weren't losing, but they drew what four in a row and five of six. If they just converted a couple of those into three points. 
they would have been promoted automatically and, and maybe even in contention for the title. Yeah, I mean, the home form has been been very good. I think they've just lost to, to Rotherham and Oxford there. I think we've seen this week, and Aaron's hit the nail on the head there, really. I think Lee Gregory being fit, available, he's 7-7 seven seven at the moment. Um, he's got to be the youngest looking in terms of yeah, the way he looks and the way he plays. 33-year-old. 33, yeah. Lee Gregory. <laughs> uh, if someone had told me he was 27, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. And I think that's basically because he came into the game so late. I think he went to Mill from Halifax at about 25. So he is one of those. Obviously, like Vardy. Um, I think Vardy played for Halifax as well, didn't he? But um, probably a, a lad who's so hungry and loves being involved in professional football because he's had a tough journey that he'll probably go on for a few more years because he, and because he's got that blistering pace, which he doesn't seem to have lost either. So, um, yeah, big fan of his. And, and he makes them a yeah a formidable prospect going towards the end of the season. So, um, yeah, very good win. And, um, yeah, there's a couple of really bad individual errors in, in this game, but Lee Gregory took his, his goals beautifully. So we don't know whether Sheffield Wednesday or Fleetwood will be in League One next season, but we know that Exeter City will. Congratulations to them. Promoted with two games to spare after coming from behind to beat Barrow 2-1 at St. James's Park on Tuesday. <laughs> Aaron, how did, how did Barrow manage to score a goal direct from a throw-in? I mean, I think the referee claimed that this got a touch off the goalkeeper on the way in, but absolutely bizarre. Yeah, I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if the keeper does touch it. You know, watching it back, I'm... I was really confused, um, but I suppose if you're not sure, to to disallow the goal would have been would have been heartbreaking for for Barrow. So, you know, they got the goal and they, they've been brilliant. <laughs> the to to beat Forest Green and then and then the draw against Salford, and then obviously to go on and get get another win. It was the job that the job that um, the manager's done there, Phil Brown, is is has been brilliant. He's only don't get me wrong. He's only won two games and, and drawn one, but that's been enough to to kind of move them away from from the relegation zone to to compound Oldham to to relegation. And I think a few weeks ago we'd have looked at Barrow and said they're certainly going to be be in, in in the national league uh, next year. You know, I think that they were they were almost doomed before Phil Brown went in. You looked and thought is this really the job that Phil Brown wants to take at this stage of his career? Is it just to go and get your face noticed again? Or or is he really looking to go in there and put his, I wouldn't say ego, but, you know, to put his reputation aside and, and go and take on, on this challenge? And he's done brilliant. He's to, to keep them safe this season from where they were and, and the form that they were in has, has been magnificent. Yes, it didn't matter for them that they were beaten in this game. But X to Sam, your old boy's finally done it. This this five-year period of near misses, extraordinary. 2017-2018, beaten playoff finalists. 2019, missed out on the playoffs by a point. 2020, beaten playoff finalists. 2021, missed playoffs by three points. Uh, they will be thrilled, therefore, to have missed the playoffs altogether for the best possible reason this time. Yeah, uh, incredible relief, I would imagine, from uh, the, the supporters and and the players um and yeah huge credit to to matt taylor um i think continuity obviously at that club is everything you know paul tisdale had so many years in the dugout matt taylor's had a good go at it now over a 
number of years, never seems to be or have been under much pressure. I know he's finished in the higher echelons of the league, but you know that doesn't account for much maybe sometimes in football. So huge credit to him. Uh, again, blooding youngsters this season. I think last year they really went with, with, with youth. Um, we know it's a very sustainable model, fan-run club. Um, they reinvest in the academy. They, they've improved the ground the last few seasons. Off the pitch, they invariably get it right. And Matt Taylor has proven himself to be a, a very astute manager. So, yeah, really pleased for him. Pleased for Matt Jay. Um, I won't regale the, tour, the story of me playing alongside him dreadfully on his debut. But um, obviously, I keep a close eye on Matt. Uh, he's turned into an outstanding young player. Uh, and I'll be very surprised now that he's probably, what, mid-20s now. Got good experience. If he is not someone that starts to get linked, maybe, in the next season or two with a, with a, a move to a... A club higher up but yeah great and fitting that he got the goal um yeah and um just yeah it's been a, a long time coming as you say matt so um thoroughly deserved to go up and could even go up as champions sam what is it they've done differently this year that's been able they've been able to almost put together an unbelievable run since the turn of the year and now finish so strongly because we're seeing so many other teams get to this point and, and struggle. And Exeter, year after year, they, they've been a nearly team and not managed to, to get over the line. What is it that have changed this year where they've now finished so strongly? It feels to me that they're a bit more functional this year. They can defend leads. They can, they've got an incredibly good home record, which I think, you know, when I was at the club, that was always our Achilles heel. So they've been magnificent at home and I think that year like I just touched on there the previous year of blooding a lot uh, of the talented youngsters coming into this season when they've got the experience of having um, 30 40 games in in league two I think the maturity has been been evident in their performances this year but yeah I think the back three really strong and and if I think you get the foundation right at Exeter this year the front three has been Brown, Nombe, Matt Jay. I think it's changed a little bit recently. I think if they're solid behind the ball, they've got a really good foundation. Those three have probably had too much going the other way for the majority of the teams in the division. So, yeah, I think it's probably a, a solid base and then some of the better players at the front end. But, yeah, they. I don't know. I think he's when he's come on the podcast, Matt, he's he struck me as a yeah very, very clever manager and he spoke to us about the adjustments he made season after season so I think it's just a case of of this season it's it's gone wonderfully well for him and it's it's worked out well if you want more on Exeter and how they got to league one head over to the athletic our friend Nancy Frostick's written a big piece uh, all about that <laughs> amazingly uh Exeter going up means that for the first time since 2015-16, neither Exeter nor Newport will feature in the League Two playoff final, which is a pretty crazy statistic. Elsewhere in League Two midweek, Mansfield beat Stevenage, Sutton beat Crawley, Swindon beat Forest Green. Still two rounds of fixtures to play, but as it stands, just five points between third place Northampton and eighth place Swindon. So still plenty to play for in terms of automatic promotion and the playoff places. Right, after this short break, we'll have a look at some of the big games ahead this weekend. Thank you. 
You're listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you want to read more Football League content from the likes of Nancy Frostick, Paul Taylor, Phil Buckingham, Peter Rutzler, and more of the Athletic's best writers, you can do so by heading to theathletic.com forward slash league show and get yourself a subscription of just £1 a month for the next six months. That's theathletic.com forward slash league show. So we mentioned Blackburn and Bournemouth in their respective midweek games. The pair will face off at Ewood Park on Saturday. Um, Aaron, I wonder if this is the fixture that that neither team wanted, basically, because this point of the season, you want somebody nicely tucked in mid-table with absolutely nothing to play for rather than somebody who needs the points just as badly as you do. Yeah, or it could go the other way and, and the other team have to go for it. So it obviously draws them out and, and leaves gaps for, for yourself. So I think both teams desperately need the win. Both teams have to go for it. It is a cup final for, for both teams. Blackburn, especially if, if they have any aspirations of, of getting into those playoff places, they have to go and win the game. And since the turn of the year, they've, they've only managed, out of 20 games, they've only managed to win five. You know, they had the six week, six or seven week period where Brera and Diaz was out injured and you looked for someone else to, to come in and, and take the reins and, and score the goals. Gallagher only managed to get one in that period, which isn't enough to, to be able to sustain their, their promotion, their promotion hopes. So this is a massive game for them. If they can win this, then that will give them the confidence for the, for the remaining games um, that they can actually get in there and, and, and do something. But it's going to be, it's difficult for both teams because neither team will, will want to lose this game because they know what it, what it would mean. But in going to try and win the game, you, you always leave yourself susceptible to, to, to getting beat. So yeah, brilliant game for, for the neutral, that's for sure. Yeah, tough one for, for Blackburn to approach, I guess, because they got Birmingham away last day, which looks like a dream fixture at the moment. But but they'll feel maybe it's a case of now or never for a lot of this squad speculation about Tony Mowbray's future and obviously Ben Brereton Diaz too. Uh, Bournemouth then, Sam, one win in six, but only one defeat in that time. So I can't really work out if they're out of form or not. Um, presumably they'll bring Kiefer Moore in from the start from this after his two-goal cameo on Tuesday. I don't know if they will, Matt. Aaron will know when you've when you've had an injury as a front man and you impact a game like that yeah it, it doesn't necessarily mean you start the next game and my my thought process there is Scott Parker's quite safe in in his tactics the magnitude of this game he doesn't really play the two up top the only way you could get away with it is probably playing Solanke as the 10 which he's done this season, and he's a very good footballer, Dominic Solanke. Um, and he has played off Jamal Lowe recently. But I just think from the off, again, I spoke about that managerial, um, you know, tactical astuteness being at play right now. You know, I think Scott Parker may close down this game a little bit and take the point and, and back his is tactical now so when they go into that huge game against Forest and they, they you know they get the point here they've still got the cushion um, so I'd be very surprised if he starts this game with a two up top he, he might do but I think that would probably mean Solanke having a few more you know defensive duties than he normally would in terms of dropping him maybe on the holding midfielder etc um, what I will say that was very unbournemouth like when the way they finished that game they had to against Swansea but you know 24 shots in that game 11 on target I think they put 21 crosses in when Kiefer Moore was on the pitch, but 
it's easy to do that when you're 3-0 down and you're throwing absolutely everything at the opposition. So I would imagine, having watched Scott Parker's team, he will play his, his normal shape. He's close to a 4-3-3 for the start of this game and that impact substitution of maybe Brady and, and Kiefer Moore, yes, will come slightly earlier, but um, it won't be anything drastically different. And Bournemouth looking to replicate the 2-0 victory they had at Ewood Park last season. All right, let's bring in guest producer Jeremy, who's going to tell us what Paddy Power think in terms of who's going to finish second and who's going to make the playoffs. Well, despite their contrasting results during the week, Matt, Bournemouth are still very heavily fancied by Paddy Power to go up there 2-9 to nine on for a top two finish. Nottingham Forest 13-5 to five to finish in that second automatic spot. As for the promotion race overall, Bournemouth 1-8 to eight on to be promoted. Nottingham Forest are evens, Huddersfield 10 to 3, Sheffield United 10 to 3, and Luton 7 to 2, Middlesbrough 7 to 1, all those sides battling to go up via the playoffs. Thanks, Jeremy. Right, we'll be in League One next. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. Okay, so it's the final day of the League One season on Saturday. Any two from three of Wigan, Rotherham, and MK Dons can go up automatically. The title's still available for all three. Wigan two points clear of second place Rotherham with the same goal difference. MK a point behind Rotherham, three behind Wigan with a goal difference inferior by six. As mentioned, Wigan go to Shrewsbury. We'll focus on the other two shortly. Uh, the final playoff place also up for grabs. Only two points between fourth place Sheffield Wednesday and seventh placed Wickham. Tell you what, let's hear from the Wickham manager. Earlier, I spoke to Gareth Ainsworth. Gareth, knowing you and your club, I'm guessing you're going into Saturday with, with a sense of excitement rather than one of trepidation. Yeah, absolutely. I can't I can't wait, honestly. Uh, on uh, on Tuesday after the results came in, I just wanted Saturday to come. I really did. And uh, speaking to Pete Coeig, one of the owners, and uh, and Rob, you know, we're, we feel we're in a brilliant position. We really do. We, we like where we are. It's crazy to say, but... Um, there's no pressure on the boys. There's everything to lose above us. And uh, and we, uh, we're we really excited for this game on Saturday. Really energised. We, we always are, believe me. But uh, there's an extra little bit today. It feels really good. And uh, yeah, looking forward to seeing what we can do up at Burton on Saturday now. Yeah, so it's, it's the Pirelli then. It's scene of your 100th career goal, nonetheless. I mean, their form's kind of been up and down, hasn't it? But that, that win they had against Rotherham earlier this month, Goes that they're not a team to be underestimated. No, not at all. You know they're they're, they're a solid outfit. Jimmy Floyd Hasselbank works his teams very hard. That's uh, that's a well known thing in football. You know, and, and they will run and they will work for him. So we're going to have to be uh, we have to be super good at what we do. Um, uh, we've obviously varied our style up now, which has been brilliant. Although everyone tells me that what we are and. Um, but we, we definitely have got some uh, some different ways of doing things now. We've got some good players in the team. You know, Rob and Pete and Missy Keurig have enabled me to to sign the players for the likes of Sam Volks and, and Gareth McCleary and, and Brandon Hanlon, you know, who, who are f- football people who, who we play, you know, and, uh, and, and then we've still got the option of Sam going into him as a big man. Um, I think we're very unpredictable this season, which has been a, a big strength of ours, you know, and... As I've said, 80 points at this stage of the season. I think every team would have snapped your hand off. And uh, if it takes 83 plus a good goal difference to get in the playoffs, then wow, what a season that's been. And if six teams can 
better that, then I'll take my hat off to him and say, go, go and enjoy the playoffs. But uh, I've got a strange feeling that if we get 83, that's going to be good enough. You mentioned there about about changing up the style a little bit. You, you still get a bit of stick for for you know perceived time wasting gamesmanship. Does that kind of thing bother you, or or is that like a badge of honour? Not at all. Not at all. I think that uh, people grab something and they try and grab hold of it. And because Wickham Wanderers now Wickham Wanderers are beating teams with the caliber that we are. Um, they have to try and grab onto something. They have to say we do something different and, oh, it's all about the time wasting. And I, I mean, you watch the Liverpool-Everton game on Saturday when uh, Alisson drops down to his knees and, uh, you know, the, the next game, they're not going to say that's all we Liverpool do, you know. It's it's something that opposition fans will try and grab hold of because they can't stand being beaten by a smaller team like Wickham Wanderers. And, and really... I think what they should be doing is looking at now the size of this club and going, do you know what? They, they are a small club, but wow, they're, they're, they're doing well. And uh, and the investment we've got of the aforementioned people, we're now contenders. Um, so, you know, I'm, I don't, we don't need credit. We, we know what we are. We, we, we do it well. We, we're really, really focused on, on every game. I give the boys a framework to work off. They, they take that on board with energy, with enthusiasm, with absolute super quality. And, uh, and you know, it's uh, it's been brilliant this season. I, I just don't think that, um, you know, any anyone saying what we are affects us in any way anymore. We've had it too long, you know. So, no, it's been great. And I'm looking forward to Burton Saturday, like I say. You also touched on Sam Vokes there. He's been such a good signing for you, hasn't he? 15 goals in the league and, and kind of reflective of the transfer business that you've been able to do over the last couple of windows. It, it makes such a big difference, doesn't it, if you can get your recruitment right? And that looks like it's been the case for you this season. Yeah, do you know, excuse me, Bayouac and Fenway has been a stalwart of this place, you know. Um, and yeah, we, we play a certain way with, with Bayou in the team without a shadow of a doubt. Um, but even he, you know, he, he gets... He gets just tagged as this big man who, who scores the beast with his head in. You watch him bring that ball down sometimes with his feet and everything. And, and he's been phenomenal for me over six years. He's coming to the end. Um, I like my big man. I, I played with Paul Furlong and, and John Hartson. And, and, you know, I, I played with some some big men in my career. And and I enjoy that that uh, the way that you can go into a big man and hold it up. And, and, and also, they can do the other side as well. Sam Volk's definitely can do both sides he's, he's coming to um be the the next big man here and, and the big striker and, and i i really enjoy having him and uh but he brings so much more to the game than just his heading ability and uh and i think that again if people would properly watch us and not just tag us as one thing and but well, well keep tagging us as one thing because it's, it's to your detriment we, we know what we are and, and sam his touch is just sublime sometimes. He brings people into play on the opposite side of the pitch, which which is something we've added to our game this season. And uh, and it's hard to stop him. You know, he's such a such a great player at holding the ball up. Um, and, and it was great in the summer when we spoke to him. He wanted to come here. It, it wasn't a case that he'd actually earmarked Wickham as a club that he might do well at, which is uh, which is brilliant, you know. So um someone like Sam Vox to have on board has just been phenomenal. And, you know, he, even Sam will say he wished he was on 20 now. There's still time. I'm hoping we can get him to 20 goals. But um, it's uh, it's been a phenomenal first season for him at Wickham Wanderers. Is it kind of difficult at the moment to think about recruitment for next season because you don't know what, what division you're going to be in? And, and are you expecting a bit of a churn for the squad? Obviously, Akin Ben was retiring, but are you hoping to kind of keep the core of what you've got now? Yeah, always. I'm, I'm a builder. I'm not... Um, 
you know, I'm, I'm not one of these managers who changes their squads wholesale. You know, I was, I always remember David Moyes saying to me early in my manager career, you know, look after your own before you start looking elsewhere. And and I think when when I do um, look at my squad and a squad that's just accumulated 80 points in League One, if, if we have to do that again next year, why wouldn't I keep the very similar squad of what I've got? You know, they've already done it. They've proved they can do it. If that's what we need to do again next year, we'll do it. But um Championship obviously would be different, but the money you get for the championship is uh, is is so so different to league leagues one and two. It's so immense that you can make changes, you can sign players then, and you become a different proposition. People want to come to you, and and so I think championship looks after itself. League one, we're very happy with where we are recruitment wise. You know, I don't think there's going to be too much work in the summer. Um, and and I will caveat that by why why would there be why why do I have to make wholesale changes if we if we manage eighty three points and don't get in the playoffs for me that's been a successful season um, so there's no way I would make wholesale changes for next year we uh, we're really proud of of this building togetherness everyone knows who everyone is everyone everyone's on the same hymn sheet here without a shadow of a doubt and uh, and it's a real big strength of us. Yeah, it's a model club, absolutely. Um, finally then, on Saturday, are you going to be getting updates from other games? I mean, is, is it even going to be possible to ignore it if you, if you don't want to? People are going to be shouting it at you from, from the crowd and onto the touchline, aren't they? I think in the modern day technology, I'm not going to not be able to, to hear that, you know, so why not embrace it and uh, and find out what, what we need to do? Um, I'm sure that other teams will be hearing about our result and, uh, and yeah, it's, it's going to be one of those... Uh, it's, it's, it's a fantastic day. It's probably the best League One finish for, for, for I, since I can remember. Nobody's won the title yet and, and nobody's secured of a playoff place yet. It's in the last game of the season. That's what football's about. And that's that's brilliant for me. So um, I wish we could do what they do in the States and have probably 10 screens with each game on there and everyone can watch each game and see what the live table going up and down. We'll probably have to do it on our phones and on our iPads. And, uh, and I'm... Yeah, definitely going to be abreast of what's going on elsewhere. But I firmly believe that we're going to need three points to make an impact on those playoffs. Well, we wish you all the best in getting those and for the playoffs should you get there too. Many thanks for joining us, Gareth. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Matt. Gareth Ainsworth there. Looking forward to the weekend's action. Uh, in terms of the relegation picture, Crew, long gone. Wimbledon and Doncaster will join them. Wimbledon need to win and then for Fleetwood to lose and there to be an eight-goal swing. Uh, Donny need the same, but with a 28-goal swing. So, yeah, that's not going to happen, I'm afraid, lads. Uh, Gillingham, though, still very much in contention for safety. A massive match at Priestfield between they, desperate to be in League One next season, and Rotherham, uh, very much not. No wins in five for the Jills, who start the day in the final relegation place. Aaron, they've drawn their last three at home against Sheffield Wednesday, Wickham and Fleetwood. First two, fair enough. That Fleetwood draw, though, might prove to be the killer and, and their home form not good is it only won four there all season yeah it's really struggling at, at home they've only scored 13 goals as well which which is worrying you know got playing against a, a Rotherham team who, who score goals freely um, who also need the win it it's it's looking it's looking tough for, for Gillingham this has to be treated as a cup final this is all or nothing for for me because for them to, if they drop out of the league, you know, with the, the turbulent season that they've had, managerial changes, etc. I think if they if they're to drop out of the drop out of the division, then it's going to be tough for them to get to get back. I feel like the the catchment area, the recruitment hasn't the recruitment hasn't been great. 
the, the area that they're in, in terms of re recruiting players, I don't feel is great. And I think that they need, they need to desperately stay in, in that division this year. Um, on the flip side, they're, they're playing against the Rotherham team that aren't in great form, aren't in great form, are feeling the pressure, feeling the bite at the end of the season. So they might feel like this is a, a good time to play them, if you know, if any. So they'll go into the game with and try and with as much confidence as, as they can possibly muster. But things don't look good for them, and, and I can't honestly see them see them getting anything out of this game. I guess the one thing that might give them a bit of hope, Sam, is, is Rotherham's away record. No wins in five, only scored once in that time. That, that was against Sunderland in the week. But but Rotherham come into this with the advantage of having their, their fate in their own hands. You'd expect them to get over the line here? Yeah, I, I would do. Um, I think for the reasons that Aaron stated, really, you know, Gillingham's worst home record in the, in the division. They've not beaten anyone at home above 14th. You know, Rotherham until this recent wobble uh, magnificent away from home only conceded 11 and and all those pretty much all those goals have come in the last fortnight or so um you know ship three at Portsmouth if, me if memory serves me right so Clarkey said it I think on Monday it's two teams that are very robust play a similar style but Rotherham are clearly better at it <laughs> and have better players and I think as well they'll be buoyed by what happened on Tuesday disappointed to concede last minute against Sunderland, but by far the better side. Should have been out of sight and that should renew some some confidence going into this final game. And when I look at the when I look at the games for the the teams battling against relegation, uh, I think I give some of the other sides a better chance than than Gillingham. I think this is this is one that I could see Rotherham getting over the line in. All right, well, let's go next to, to Morecambe against Sunderland because uh, that affects the bottom of the table as well. Uh, it is the, they've only got one named Derby. The Shrimps looking to make absolutely sure of survival. The Black Cats need to get that playoff place book. Morecambe, two points ahead of Fleetwood and Gillingham, so effectively just need to avoid defeat uh, and they will stay up. Derek Adams didn't get a win until the seventh attempt, Sam, after his February return, February return. But those three victories in April might have got the job done for them and kind of lucky Morecambe in the way that that fell into their lap with him getting sacked by Bradford. But that and the goals of Stockton, I guess, likely what's going to keep them up? Yeah, exactly that. I think, you know, the home form's pretty good. They've got 16 more points at home than, than away. This is out of the fixtures I just alluded to. The the one that I could most see, um, the, the 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 team that's struggling, getting maximum points. Um, I just think that performance against MK was so subdued. There was probably maybe an eye on this this game already. Um, my only concern is their their record against the, the the top six is very bad. Just the one victory across the season against Sheffield Wednesday, and yeah, they need to supply Cole Stockton or they need an opportunity to fall to him and he could very well be the saviour once more. Um, I mean, he's got 23 goals. The next uh, players on that list, Phillips and Noah, with, with six each. So he is their talisman. He's their best chance of survival and uh, I wouldn't be surprised if um, he comes up trumps again at, at the weekend. But it's going to be tense and... Yeah, you speak about keeping your nerve and the, the manager's tactical now. There will be the, the scores funneling through and and changes 
potentially made to shore things up or become more open as the as the afternoon transpires. So it's going to be fascinating, and I'm sure it's going to be one of those days where the the table changes frequently throughout the throughout the proceedings. And it it may be a substitute who who you may not have expected to to get on, or it may be a tactical tweak that that wins the day. But um, yeah, this is a game where you know I could see Morecambe beating Sunderland uh, over Gillingham um, beating Rotherham. What about Sunderland then, Aaron? They need to match or better Wickham's result to, to book themselves a playoff place. Top of the form table over the last five games, four wins and a draw. I know it's kind of difficult to answer this before the game, but but like Morecambe, they might feel that the, the managerial change, although it was controversial at the time in Sunderland's case, has paid off because they look a different team under Alex Neil. They certainly look more difficult to beat. Definitely. I think the, the managerial change was good for them. You know, I think it added a... It brought a, a energy back to the squad, a, a togetherness to the squad. And it just, for, for for a club like Sunderland, they just seemed broken at the time. You know, no disrespect to to, to Lee Johnson, but I, they just seemed broken. And he's all of a sudden brought them back together. Now their form's mm-hmm. been brilliant. You know, 12 games unbeaten, seven wins in that time. And now looking like a really, a really strong unit. Ross Stewart's goals have, have, have been brilliant. He, he's going for the golden boot. You know, he'll want to finish top of the pile. So he's going to be a, a massive threat. Um, obviously, along with Cole Stockton as well. You know, Cole Stockton's only a, a goal behind the the front two. Um, and he'll want, to, he'll want to stamp his mark. And if he can go and get a couple of goals and nick that golden boot and, and keep Morecambe safe, that would be brilliant for him. But I just think Sunderland are too strong. I think that... I know Corey Evans well. I've spoken to him quite a few times, and there's a, a real good feeling and around the camp. You know, he's the, the lads are really confident. The managerial change has been really good for them, and and they really feel like this season they can they can go and get promotion. So, I I would put my money on a, on a Sunderland win, and they and they beat Morecambe five 0 in in the reverse fixture. So, Morecambe might want to get one back on them, but Sunderland will go into this knowing that they're playing against a team. That they've beaten already, well beaten before, and if this is if they need to win one game to to secure playoffs, then you'd want to play against a, a team that you've already battered early on in the season. That's for sure. Yeah, and just to underline what Aaron was saying there about the top scorers, Will Keane and Ross Stewart have got twenty four each. Cole Stockton's on twenty three, but only one of those was a penalty, and yet he still didn't make the league one team of the season um, let's go back up to the promotion picture Plymouth against MK Dons at home park not even a win would guarantee the sixth place Pilgrims a playoff place they're level on points with seventh Wickham their goal difference only two better than the chair boys MK meanwhile really need a win to give themselves a chance of going up automatically uh, Plymouth they go out all out for the win here Sam rather than hope for a for a Wickham slip up and, and if they do might that play into to MK's hands because they're not in great form are they Argyle no wins in four it, it might do yeah I think tactically this is going to be you know very interesting when you consider how good MK Dons are at, uh, at keeping the ball um, exploiting gaps um, Plymouth like to attack with kind of the wing backs the, the two number eights and the, the two centre forwards kind of six in, in attack and be interesting to see if that's the case at the weekend or if one of the wing-backs just tucks round to make them a little bit more secure when they're attacking. Um, what they got in their favour is this brilliant recent form at home. 
you know, six wins for, from seven and not conceded in that time, which makes this a incredibly tough time, uh, tough task for for MK Dons to get their job done. But I don't think there's I don't think there's massive pressure on on either side. Um, marginally, maybe more on Plymouth because they've uh, they, they've had the points and just stumbled at the wrong time. MK Dons won't have envisaged having this this challenge, this uh, late challenge for an automatic position. So. I think both teams have have done incredibly well, to be honest. I mean, I think it, they've overachieved. Uh, I, I would say so. They can be very proud when it's over, but you know they want to give it everything to to make sure their job's complete uh, at the final whistle. And and Plymouth should be reinvigorated after that draw at Wigan. Um, not been getting goals. They've got the full complement of strikers to select from now, and having Jeff got scoring and Hardy getting some some minutes. That, that puts him in good stead for this weekend. And Schumacher was was bullish that he was going to play Ryan Hardy, even if he's not 100%, because they've got to get in the playoffs first and then and then worry about the subsequent games. And I thought that was right. You know, he's got four good lads up there to pick from. So um, get the job done first and then worry about who's going to be available then. Aaron, if you're if you're Liam Manning, how are you approaching this game? Are you kind of getting the players g'd up of we're going for automatic promotion here? We need to win this game, or, or are you tempering it slightly, knowing that you're not the favourites to do that, and you don't want a deflated dressing room at full time of oh no, we're in the playoffs, rather than yeah, we're in the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think he's he'll be saying to his lads, look, let's just go out, do our job, and and they'll be preparing for playoffs. If they can get better, then great, but. Like Sam said, they they wouldn't have been expecting to be be challenging for for automatic promotion. I don't think. I think that they've they've overachieved. They're now in a a really good position, really strong position, to just go. And if they get into the playoffs, then you know to to continue the the form that they've put together. They've they've dipped off a little bit, uh, probably at the wrong time. You know, back to back defeats um, against Sheffield Wednesday and, and Oxford. The Sheffield Wednesday especially, I watched that game and first half they almost gave the game away in the first half. You know, they didn't perform the way that we've seen them perform prior to that. So they'll be a little bit disappointed with that, but they'll be just looking to, he'll take all the pressure off of the players. They'll be going into the game and saying, right, look, let's just try it, go, do our job, get the win. We can't control what Rotherham are doing. Rotherham are in the box seat. But worst case scenario, we go into the playoffs with a win and we, we take the momentum from that. So I think he'll, he'll look to relieve all the pressure from, from the players. And if they do that, they've, they've got a realistic chance of, of getting in that, those two top two spots. Yeah, they're great away as well. I've already won at Wigan, Wickham, Sunderland and Rotherham, which is really impressive. They're always close when these two meet, by the way. Only once in the nine previous meetings between the sides has there been more than a goal in it. So expect another close one on Saturday. Uh, Jeremy, who do Paddy Power think are going up from League One? Well, Wigan had the chance to secure it during the week. They were tuning up away at Portsmouth. They're still outright favourites to win League One. You can get them at 3-10. to 10. Rotherham, a slight outsider, you can get them at 23-10. to 10. That's to win League One. As for promotion in general, Rotherham are 1-25 to 25 on to be promoted. MK Dons, 13-8. to 8. Then you've got Sheffield Wednesday at 15-8 to 8. and Sunderland at 11-4. to 4. We just heard from Gareth Ainsworth as well. His Wickham side are thirteen to two to be promoted, and you can get them at six to four to make the playoffs as well. Thanks, Jeremy. Right, we'll get to League Two next. 
Uh, like the championship, still two rounds of matches left to play in League Two. And whilst we know who's going down and that Forest Green and Exeter are going up, still an automatic promotion place up for grabs. Plenty going on in the playoff picture too. We're going to have a look at the game at the county ground between Swindon and Barrow. Uh, Sam, the club where you made your reputation, of course. <laughs> I mean, FGR at home just after they got promoted. The absolute dream fixture, I would suggest, for them to have in midweek. But, but you know, tell us just how impressed you've been with, with Swindon's season. Because the mess that they were in over the summer, everybody was looking at them getting relegated rather than looking at promotion. Yeah, they, they were. You get greedy, don't you, as the season plays out and events transpire. And I think there's a bit of frustration you know, not after Tuesday, which was a brilliant result, but a bit of frustration because the, the squad that they've accumulated has got some very good individuals in it. And I think the supporters who watch Swindon every week will say they've probably slightly underachieved maybe with that collection of, of players. But the, the bigger picture is that it's the atmosphere is light years away from what it was, you know, the last couple of seasons. Um, you know, they, they seem to have a real plan in place um, as I said they've accumulated a really good squad of players a good manager a lovely style as well which I think is important to say um, you know when we were speaking about the best teams to watch in the divisions the other day I think when they're on song especially away from home where they've been scintillating it's a really good watch it's not to everyone's taste because it's quite measured the football and can be quite slow to build up but uh, in the main I think the, the punters have got value for money and yeah, it was interesting Harry McCurdy coming out and a bit of a rallying call, having a bit of a go at the supporters, saying that they needed them for these last few games. I mean, only a goal scorer gets away with saying something like that. Anyone <laughs> else, you get lambasted. But the bloke who's getting them goals and getting them off their seats, you, you can do no wrong. And it had the uh, desired effect, the required effect, because the fans were up for it on Tuesday. Supposedly the atmosphere was electric and they'll need it again against Barrow, because that home form, they've lost seven at home, Swindon, um, away from home, by far and away the best side. So it has been their Achilles heel. And I think they need the six points. But if they beat Barrow, um, which I expect them to do, yeah, anything can happen at Walsall. I think that's a tricky game against Mike Flynn's Walsall. But um, yeah, I, I think they'll get the job done on Saturday. And that's probably because of the, yeah, probably because of the atmosphere is going to be great. And they've got good players, got good forward players. Harry McCurdy being the, the main man in that. What have you made of McCurdy, Aaron? Did, and do you think that, that Swindon need to go up to, to actually keep hold of him for next season? I'm thinking of the kind of Owen Doyle thing. Yeah, I think so. I think they do need to to, to go up in, in in order for him to stay. Listen, he's a, he's a goal scorer. He wants to score goals and, and he wants to play at the highest level. So... Any goal scorer worth their worth their metal wants to go in and test themselves at the level above and, and the level above that. And he's no different. Like Sam said, he had the rallying call about, you know, the fans supporting the players. Players only come out and, and say things like that when they're they they want it. You know, they desperately want it. They desperately want to be successful. And and he's no different. I think that the goals that he scored this year are, are the reason why Swindon are where they are. So he want whether or not it's as a team or whether it, or not it's a, as an individual, you want to see progression. Each season, as a striker, you want to see progression. And scoring 18 goals in, in League One is great, but now you want to go and see if you can do it in a championship and if you can 
get the opportunity to go and do it in the Premiership. That's what he'll want. That's what he'll want. And ideally for Swindon, if he can do it with them, amazing. If not, then, you know, I was always told that when you move on, you move on as an individual. And as a striker, you make sure that you do your job. And hopefully at the end of the season, the goals that you score will will bring some kind of reward. If they don't bring a reward for you as a, as a team, then they bring an award for you as, as an individual where you're able to progress. So that's, yeah, I, I, I see if they don't go up, I, I see him possibly moving on. It would be really interesting because I wouldn't go as far to say he was on the scrap heap, but he was struggling to get a club last year. I think there's very little sentiment from, from footballers when you're getting linked with moves and when the, there's bigger finances on offer. But it'd be interesting how he's feeling right now. If he, not that he owes Swindon, but that he's happy to stick around, play another year in League Two, possibly League One. And the other side of it, will clubs be looking at, at McCurdy, I don't know, the chairman and, and managers, would they be thinking, do we want a character like that at the club? Yeah, it's brilliant when it's going well. And this season he's been amazing. But I think it, it, it brings a little bit of baggage because he's he clearly wears his heart on his sleeve. He's, his discipline uh, on the pitch is not always great. And, and probably previously in his career, there was probably a few misdemeanours which made that him difficult to manage. So I think it's fascinating. There's, there's a lot to be said for being happy, I think. And he's got time on his side. Um, yeah, one... I don't know what you. I think we seem to get really carried away with one year now, and players seem to get one move. Seem to get a move off one season. Um, it seems to happen very, very quickly. I think you know it'd be nice for him to stay and consolidate this relationship with the Swindon fans and uh, and get another good return of goals, and then and then get your move. But as I said, when the when the money's on offer, you know sometimes and you're hot, yeah, yeah sometimes that uh, that takes over. Yep, you do know all about that, of course. I d on just on that, I think for for him, I think it would be interesting to see what kind of if they don't go up, what players they bring in. Are they bringing in players to to mount a, a chance of of going and getting promotion automatically the following season? Because that has a that has a bearing on yeah. it as well. You know, he's a he's a player that scores goals and makes goals. You know, eighteen goals in the league, eight assists. So he's an attractive player for, for any manager at, at the level above, you know, to, to bring in. Yes, he is a little bit outspoken, but some, some managers like that. Some managers like characters in the dressing room that say what they think, that almost you can see exactly what, what kind of mood they're in, in, in how they carry themselves. So he is a player that I think some managers will, will look at and say, do you know what, even when he's not scoring goals, he's... He's making an impact. He's he's being effective. And with that being said, if Swindon are going to look to go for it next season, they have to keep him. You know, if they don't manage to get get promotion this year, obviously, he's a player that they have to keep. But if they if if they don't and and their ambitions don't match his, then I understand why players after one good season look for for the next for the next move because sometimes that if if the team's not right around you, then that next season might not be as fruitful as the one the one previously. Well, he fancy his chances of uh, getting on the score sheet on Saturday. I think he's on 18 for this season, so maybe even a chance of breaking the 20-goal mark that all strikers love to do. Uh, Jeremy, give us some odds on League Two, please. 
Well, you can still get odds on Forest Green to lift the League Two trophy there, three to ten. Exeter there, outsiders to actually lift the trophy. Of course, both sides already promoted to League One. In terms of the rest of the promotion race, Northampton lead the charge there, eight to fifteen to be promoted. Port Fair evens just in behind them. Sam's former side, Swindon, seven to one to be promoted, and you can get them as well at eleven to ten to finish in the top seven. Uh, Mansfield, one to twenty-five to finish in the top seven. They're nailed on. Sutton as well, 1-5, to five, very much nailed on for a top seven finish. And Salford City, you can get them at 9-1 to one to creep into the top seven as well. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. It's over 18s only. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. T's and C's apply. And when the fun stops, stop. All right, that'll just about do it for us today. Before we go, though, I want to know what thing that always happens at this time of year tells you it is the business end of the season could be a phrase like the business end an event a result the weather anything sam what, what you, you were at a game on on tuesday night what made you think yeah we're at the end of the season now oh i don't know about tuesday i've got a few um commentary terms matt which mm. um, i'm sure you'll enjoy well a lot of tur- <laughs> lot of talk about the hallowed turf at the moment i'm not not even sure what that means uh, the promised land that's another one that you hear every other sentence and and I always enjoy champagne on ice because in my experience it was it was half a dozen bottles of like warm Heineken in the in the dressing room it it gives me like the the thought of a waiter coming in in a dicky bow you know with a with a napkin over his arm uh carrying the bucket on stilts but it, it doesn't happen like that Aaron does it it's normally a few Heinekens it, yeah, it definitely never happens like that. It's never you never get crates of, of champagne brought on out ice. here. And, yeah, and it's definitely never on ice. That's for sure. It's always warm and it always stings your eyes. So yeah, it's um it's definitely not as as it's painted to be, but still amazing days nevertheless. That's for sure. What what is there then, Aaron, that makes you think we're, we're coming towards the end of the season now? For me, it's just the results. It's the freakish nature of results where teams near the bottom, all of a sudden, you know, they couldn't buy a win during the season and all of a sudden they're going into games against against teams at the top and getting freak results. You know, it's it's almost like someone switches a light on in the last last few weeks of the season and they say, oh, do you know what? The realisation almost hits that we're going to get relegated and we're, our money's going to get cut in half and people are going to be leaving the club and you know all these different elements all of a sudden hit home and then they are able to go out and and put in performances and you look and you think well where have you been all season where why couldn't you do that for the last eight months of this you know the pre- the previous eight months of the season so yeah that's the biggest thing that i always i always notice when <laughs> when we get to this stage yeah, also a lot of a lot of talk of teams being on the beach, and uh, I haven't written the guy's name down, but um, I think it was from the Preston local paper. He went further than that and said that um, accusations from the supporters that the players' minds were already on the coconut oil and the San Miguel, which I, which I enjoyed. He went, he went very specific. Yeah, coconut oil. Wow. Okay. Um, I love in a couple. I think I got this at Craven Cottage the other night. When a game kicks off in daylight, a night game, and you think, mm, "Yeah, this is this is going to be an important one." Um, announcers pleading with supporters to stay off the pitch at full time. You know, you're near the end of the season then. Um, but my main one is commentators after any goal 
how big a goal could that be in the context of their season? And kind of like you're alluded to, Aaron, like, well, I mean, the goal that they scored in February might be just as big because that was the one that got them the three points in the last minute. But no, every goal, we must ask, how big could that goal be? Um, listener, I hope you get some big goals in your life this weekend. It's going to be an amazing weekend of EFL action. Can't wait for it. We'll be back on Monday to round it all up. Until then, many thanks to Aaron, to Sam, to producer Jeremy and to Gareth Ainsworth for joining us earlier too. As I say, back Monday to round things up. Do join us for that if you can. Until then, from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to the Totally Football League Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Listen ad-free on the Athletic app and keep up to date with everything Totally by heading to at the Totally Show on Twitter and on Insta. Find out the latest subscription offers by going to theathletic.com forward slash league show. The Totally Football League Show is an athletic media company production. The Athletic. <laughs>